this is Steve, the cookout coach, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the really big barbecue central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rippey. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings, the live fire fun and survival show. If you want to jump in this evening through phone calls, well, maybe not phone calls, but through emails or social medias, here's how you find the show. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about 12 and a half minutes from now, he is a podcast host, multiple-time podcast host. He is a restaurateur, and he is the owner and proselytizer of barbecue media companies. Friend of show, Sean Walchef, joins me from Cali BBQ Media, Cali BBQ, the restaurant, Restaurant Influencers, the podcast, and the Digital Hospitality podcast. And if that's not enough, also a father, also a husband, and all that good stuff. And he's carved out some time here through his busy evening to talk about just that digital storytelling, why it's important, why if you are a restaurateur currently, especially in the live fire industry, or if you're starting a food truck, or if you're going to get into the barbecue trailer business or vending or something along these lines, why the power of the smartphone and why you launching it, getting on the social platforms and having a social media presence that is consistent and leveraging it in the ways that will help you stand out above the noise and the crowd that's in your area. That's what Sean's all about. So we'll talk all about that, the best ways and practices to do it. Give you a little insight onto a secret, not so secret clubhouse that he hosts every week. So Sean Walsh have to lead the show here in about 12 minutes from now. Then we'll move 35 past the hour because it's 14, because it's 14, because it's the fourth Tuesday of the month. We will be joined by the bristly barbecue journalist, Derek Riches, DerekRiches.com, his website. Some news items and releases have transpired here over the last month since we had Derek on the last time in September. So as October closes out, we'll talk a bit about what's hot news-wise, invention-wise, and release-wise in the live fire industry 
Derek, always fun to get his insight and takes on what's going on in the live fire industry. And again, his website, DerekRiches.com. Read it if you're not reading it. Lots of great reviews, lots of great recipes, by the way, as well. That'll close the first hour, and then we'll move to the second hour. And why is that? Because the fourth Tuesday of the month of the second hour brings what? The embedded correspondence. Yes. The esteemed embedded correspondent and longest running from Texas, Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famer, Doug Scheiding, joins us. Also, the second longest running embedded correspondent from Michigan, also a Barbecue Central Show's guest Hall of Famer, John Solberg, and rounding out the panel, none other than the trusted embedded correspondent from the great city of Utah, Rusty Monson, pitmaster of Salt City Barbecue, both the competition team and the trailer, which is seeing all sorts of success in the vendings of the greater state and area of Utah. So that's what's going on in the second hour embedded correspondence. We do have a fresh selection of 100% Assurity picks, which everybody loves. And then we have some other barbecue-related topics to give our thoughts on and ballyhoo about, not the least of which is a mail-order barbecue and the cost and is it worth it and what are you getting for it? And then we'll also talk about a extremely hot topic, which in about a week is getting ready to blow up. And that could be what? None other than the worst fast food sandwich ever to hit the face of the earth and potentially the last time we might see it since its release in 1984, the McRib. Much to the chagrin of Rusty Monson, I'm sure. But it could also be spectacular marketing on McDonald's part and while their marketing might be subject to criticism, when it comes to the McRib, certainly that is the leader in the industry in regards to marketing and how they pull it away from you people and then how you're just clamoring for it by this time every year. And then they release it, and it's just a never-ending cycle. When we talk about breaking this, these are the things we're talking about, eating crappy fast food pork sandwiches. Let's break that cycle. But no, you won't, but that's fine. We'll continue on. Don't forget, you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapper Snaps, at BBQ Central Show. We say good evening to those of you watching the show tonight through one of the video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show to watch. Also, you can take in the show via YouTube slash RD Rempy, where there is a currently robust chat, currently, where there is a robust chat going on currently, if you're watching. Also, we want to take a second to say hello to the folks using our auto streaming platform, Clubhouse. So if you would rather hear us and not see us, Clubhouse is the way to do it. So let's start here this evening. I got a good number of these types of emails over the past few weeks. So I'm going to paraphrase here just to generalize the main theme that I was getting through these emails. And this goes back to the segment I did with Ryan Zabril from Pits and Spits. And it sounds more or less something like this, and I quote, When you were talking to Ryan from Pits and Spits, you brought up the pricing topic. You said, if you put in an order, could the price readjust before it builds? Is that something that really happens? That seems pretty ruthless if it does. If you make a deal at one price, that should be the price that you honor. Now, if you listened to that show all the way through, Ryan said, as much as it hurt him in the wallet, when they committed to the price, they did not go back 
to the customer, even if the price had adjusted a number of times before the build, depending on where the lead time was, they honored the price you bought at. However, I can tell you as somebody during the day who was in other business, I have quoted my customers prices on trucks and five months later when that truck builds, the price has gone up five and six and $7,000 surcharges passed through to my customers. Well, that's a very nice conversation to have with the customer. The manufacturer says, hey, dealer, we're just sticking you with an extra seven grand on the invoice and there's nothing you can do about it. Go back to your customer. They understand these are the most difficult times and times unlike we have ever seen and whatever else you want to call it. And you call up and say, hey, Mr. Customer, remember that price we talked about, we agreed upon, and you gave me the deposit on? Well, guess what? That price has gone up. I have bad news and bad news. The price of the truck is more, and if you don't want it, somebody else will buy it for a bigger price. How about that? I'm not threatening you. I'm just telling you, if you don't want the trucks, I can sell the trucks at a larger price than we originally agreed upon, and they'll buy them all day long. So the answer is yes, Ryan committed to the price and stuck with it, but the bottom line is, in this day and age, just because you committed to a price at one point in time, if there is a time lapse between when you get it, the price could go up. The price could change. Listener feedback from the show last week, Darnell in the Buckeye State of Ohio. Greg, I'm writing for the first time to tell you that your interview with the guys from the Turbo Trusser was one of the best in show history. I have been a listener for the past 10 years, what you did with these two guys last Tuesday was an instant classic. Well done, and I hope these turbo guys get to experience the success that they are so desperate for. Regards, Darnell. Darnell, thank you for listening, especially here in the home state of Ohio. Steve in Kentucky. Greg, did you tell the guys who invented a trussing device that trussing, trussing is worthless and does nothing for the cooking process? Wow, I'm surprised they hung with you after that. That's a bit bold, don't you think? Love, love the show. Regards, Steve. Was it bold? Steve, did you want me to tell them, hey, Turbo Truster guys, I don't... Uh, I'm not going to be not honest. I don't ever think there's any reason to trust a bird. And don't talk to me about rotisserie because typically the rotisserie rod has big tines that stick into that bird so you don't have to trust now if you're a trusting fan if you like trusting the turbo trussler trust the turbo trusser will cut out a lot of time having to deal with the butcher's twine and as i said last week where do you even buy twine the craft aisle at pats i don't know the butcher shop so the turbo trusser would be a product you would want to look at then but i think cutting the backbone out is a much easier process and yields just as good results. I don't see any reason why anybody would want to voluntarily trust, but that's up to them. Mr. Wonderful bought into it. They won. Okay. It's just not like how I'm doing my birth, my prerogative, and I told them. I think the fact that I told them was shocking to most of you. Here's what's shocking. Ceramic cookers that are round. No! How about we change the game? Sure. 
Everybody's on board. We'll change it. Well, too late. Somebody already changed it. It's called Primo Grills with our game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. When you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to configure a Primo cooker. So you're only limited by your culinary imagination. Of course, as the live fire addicts that we are, we love accessories, and the Primo Grill doesn't disappoint here either. They have the Primo Grill rotisserie accessory, the Primo Grill pizza accessory, half and full pans, the rib racks, the new dampers for the top and the bottom of the cooker, and of course, the lid hinge. Everything you need to complete your Primo Grill experience. Here's the bottom line. Best ceramics in the biz. Yes. Patented technology. Yes. True two-zone cooking capabilities and multiple sizes. Yes and yes. By the way, if you just have to have a round one, they have round ones. But I'm saying break the mold. Get an oval cooker. Be happy that you did it. Be the envy of the cul-de-sac. Why not? PrimoGrill.com for a dealer near you as they are only sold through dealers. That's PrimoGrill.com. Follow them on Facebook or Instagram. Who's ready for a Primo? I'm ready for a Primo. I know Sean's ready for a Primo. And we'll be back with him here in just one second. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase or to see what other products they uh, they have that might complement your smokiness. Cookinpellets.com. Guy the Cooking Sam asking me, Greg, how's that electric truck project going? Not that great all of a sudden. I was there for 15 units and then radio silence. And as we all know, time kills deals. Hey, if you are in the restaurant game and you're looking for a show that brings you the leaders in the industry and getting their stories of how they became successful, did you know that almost all of them are using this device that we all have access to, the smartphone, but they have leveraged its storytelling capabilities to enhance their position in the market? And joining me to talk about digital storytelling is the founder of Cali BBQ Media, Cali BBQ, the restaurant, my pal, and personal support person, Sean Walchuff. Hey, Sean. What's up, Greg? Sean, I'm. Am I right? Time kills deals. Time kills deals, and and price goes up. You're absolutely right. Before we get into it this evening, Sean, let me ask you what you ask everybody on restaurant influencers. Where in the world? is your favorite stadium stage or venue center court at the wimbledon and that is because you've of been my there? grandfather 
I've been, I've actually completed the, the Grand Slam, the tennis Grand Slam. I've been to Roland Garros, I've been to Wimbledon, been to the Aussie Open, and been to the U.S. Open. You're that much of a world traveler? I have uh, been very fortunate wow. my, because Cute. of my grandfather. Yeah, I knew you would uh, go summer and. I bet uh, you didn't know that. You I knew, didn't know that. Fact. I knew. No, I did not. But I knew you would summer in Bulgaria for weeks on end. But I thought that yeah, was more no, of a not life much thing. tennis in Bulgaria. Yeah, not much tennis in Bulgaria. But yes, center court of Wimbledon. Wow. All right. Well, I can. That is definitely one I didn't expect. I thought maybe football could be a Chargers thing, but definitely not. SoFi Stadium, um, um, yeah, I, I would prefer a stadium in downtown San Diego that was never built, but that's a different topic for a different day. So. Sean Walchef joining me here on the show. The website, by the way, CaliBBQ.media if you want to check it out. And also the podcast, Restaurant Influencers, available on all the podcast platforms, uh, which is uh, in partnership with Entrepreneur, which is very large magazine and, and lifestyle situation out there. So, Sean, there are a number of listeners to my show that are either in the restaurant business or perhaps more importantly might be looking to get into food service through vending or food truck, food trailers, what have you. And your mission, as I would mentioned in the open, has been proselytizing the benefits of this thing you call smartphone storytelling. So it seems self-explanatory as I say the words, but how do you define that exactly? So what we are on a mission to help business owners and content creators understand that we've never been given a greater gift than the smartphone. And it's amazing to me how many business owners, restaurant owners that I speak to on a daily basis that take it for granted. Um, we're very fortunate that when we opened in 2008, that we didn't have any business and we had to fight and claw to get people to care about our restaurant. And because of that, we leveraged Google, we leveraged the Apple iPhone, we leveraged Facebook, Yelp, you name it. As those platforms came along, we figured out a way to tell our story to get people to come in and buy things. Um, and because of that, we created a barbecue media company. So, um, so much so that our URL is calibbq.media, but we're on a mission to help empower people to understand that it's very easy to tell stories online. When you think of it as video, audio, words, and images, that's all we're talking about. The problem is once we start talking about TikTok, the audience automatically thinks something. If I say Facebook, it's a trigger word and people automatically think a certain thing about Facebook, the platform. If I say Instagram, you feel a certain way. If I say LinkedIn, you feel a certain way. We're saying remove the logo and just start telling stories using the tool that's in your pocket, which is giving access to people, to your business, things that you take for granted. A lot of people take for granted just doing inventory. Well, if you're a restaurant owner, I can tell you from firsthand experience, one of the most difficult things that we did was learning how to do weekly inventory. Nothing sexy about it. But someone on the internet that wants to improve their restaurant will need to know why is it important to do weekly inventory. Well, it's important so you get a weekly profit and loss statement. That weekly profit and loss statement will actually help you stay in business. Well, who would care? Why would a customer care? Well, the customer is going to care that you're a business owner that cares enough to do inventory that actually wants to stay in business. Sean, I think a lot of people can put together the importance of this thing and a message, but the yes. minute they actually turn it on and go to hit record, there's a lot of different things that start going through their mind. They're anxious. They're nervous. Nobody's going to care what I want to say. How do you work through those hurdles? 
I think so much of the hurdles for us had to do with just necessity. I mean, because, because we had no other choice, I had to get on there. And as you know, Greg, we're in San Diego to talk about craft barbecue in San Diego is a tall order when you're talking about the barbecue meccas of the United States, um, letting people know that we care about brisket and that we care about St. Louis pork ribs, but to go on local news to go on Facebook at the time and eventually Instagram and now TikTok and talk about the craft of barbecue, you open yourself up to criticism. When I go on TikTok live in the back of the house with my pitmaster Bernice or with Artemio and we're cooking ribs, someone on the internet could see something that they don't like or that they think is unsanitary and they can make a comment. And those are the comments, those micro comments out of the hundreds of thousand people that will see that TikTok live. It's those few comments that will stop a business owner from doing, from posting that video or from going live. And what my encouragement is to people is to understand there's shitty people everywhere. <laughs> like, there's shitty people online, but there's great people. Like we literally wouldn't be in a position where we are have a show that has reached over eight million people with Entrepreneur Magazine, where I'm literally having Chef Robert Irvine of Restaurant Impossible, his PR team reaching out to us, hmm. to our barbecue restaurant, to have him on the show. That's only happening because of our deep thesis that every single business owner has a story. Business owners are phenomenal in real life of convincing their significant other, hey, I've got a crazy business idea. They, they can convince a business partner. They can convince an employee. They can inv convince investors. But when it comes to convincing the phone or the internet, all of a sudden we clam up and we think we need a professional production crew when in fact, that's not what you need. Sean Walchuff joining us here on the show from Cali BBQ, the restaurant, Cali BBQ Media founder, of course, and the website, CaliBBQMedia.com, and the podcast can be found wherever podcasts are gotten. So for the folks that maybe buy into this part, but want additional counseling or additional information, you also host a weekly clubhouse room Wednesdays. It's one o'clock Eastern, so I think that's 10 o'clock Pacific time or your time because yep. you're on the West Coast. So what is the theme or is it a ever-changing theme of why you hold these rooms and, and what's going on in there and who's in there? Yeah, it's a great question. So we, we wanted to create a space, kind of an extension of the show. So we have the Restaurant Influencer Show and we have Digital Hospitality. And those are two of our thesis, which is smartphone storytelling, which every business owner should be doing. Every business owner should be a content creator. Um, and then Digital Hospitality, which is every business needs to be digital first and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. So these rooms that we host on Clubhouse every Wednesday and every Friday is a way for people to get involved. You know, my grandfather, we spoke about him earlier. He was a very curious Bulgarian that accomplished so much in his life after, you know, being born in a village. And he said, stay curious, get involved, ask for help. Well, what you do is phenomenal because you have a live show where you can interact with your audience. What I do with the podcast, I'm actually just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the guest. So there is no back and forth conversation like you can have with a live show. So for us, the live show and the live portion is this clubhouse room or anybody that's listening, that's curious about marketing, curious about sales, curious about technology, they can come onto the clubhouse platform, raise their hand, talk about who they are, what they're trying to accomplish. And because we have so many different diverse people, leaders in the digital hospitality space from all over the globe, we can have a great conversation. Sean, when we have talked about social media in the past, and I've talked to some 
pretty heavy hitters in the social media world here over the last number of years. And there seemed to have been a time a handful of years ago where the leaders of this technology or the social industry were telling people, if you're a business, for instance, Sean, Cali BBQ, you need to have a Cali BBQ restaurant social account. But then if you Mm -hmm. want to be Sean Walchef, you can have the Sean personal account, but don't intermingle the two. It's confusing. It's brand confusing. It seems to be all-encompassing, confusing, no matter what. Now, more recently, some of those same people are posting stuff with their kids or significant others, or I'm getting engaged, and they're also doing live fire content. They're doing the exact opposite or the antithesis of what they had been preaching a couple of years ago about keeping everything separate. I look back at your account. You have always been somebody that has decided to co-mingle both sides, your business owner side, your family side. So I guess, A, why did you buy into letting everything hang out in your social media platforms? And then B, how do you go about or decide who you're including? Is that permissions that you're asking for from other folks? Do they just know because they're around you and how you operate? There's a chance that if you're around, Sean, you're going to end up in a video somewhere, whether you like it or not. Uh, Two questions. So uh, first one's first. Yeah. So the first question, it's a a great question, something that I I talk about frequently, and it's people want to have a work-life balance, right? What's my work-life balance? And for me, I've never operated that way. I only have one life. So you get my work life and my personal life combined, and it makes it much easier for content creation across all of these platforms because literally I'm just documenting versus creating. I'm not going, oh, what do I need to create business content for the restaurant today? No, I just live my life. You know, today I had a sponsorship call in the morning. I'm documenting waking up early and doing my sunrise gratitude walk, being on the Peloton. Next, I'm I'm going out and doing a sponsorship call. I'm going to the restaurant. I'm meeting with Steven Swiderski, our catering manager. We're getting ready for an Uber Eats catering that we're doing downtown. I'm just taking photos, taking videos, documenting the day in the life of a barbecue media owner. That will also include content of my kids, content of the sports that I cheer for, content of you name it, we're going to put it on there because for me, it's just the act and the craft of telling stories through my smartphone. I don't need to have a huge media team to come and document me Gary V style. All I need to do is capture these micro moments of life and I can choose what to share and choose what not to share. You know, it is an interesting question because it's a very personal question, what people want to share about their personal lives, about their kids, about geotagging. Do I want to actually show where my, well, I'm, I'm sensitive to that as well. I'm not going to tell the whole world where, where we are located exactly at a given time, but there's ways around doing that where if I am in Toronto, which I was last week speaking at a hospitality leadership summit, where I'm talking about all the things that we're talking about on this show, I'm talking to hotel owners, the top restaurant owners in Canada, telling them, take out your phone, like take out your phone and document the fact that you're at a hospitality leadership conference, you know, out of a room of 150 leaders, three of them posted on any social platform that they were going to this leadership summit. And I said, why, why is that? Why are you hiding that fact? You know, you told people in real life, why don't you tell people online? Because for me, I want to surround myself with leaders that are always trying to learn, that are always trying to level up. So that's the business side. The personal side, 
back to how do you know who's comfortable and who's not comfortable? It's the same way that we know in real life who's comfortable and not comfortable. If someone's not comfortable when I'm on camera, then I'm not going to put them on camera. But you'd be surprised at the people that you find that are comfortable, that are great on camera, that are literally just waiting for that camera to go live. Because once they go live, the magic happens. You go, oh my God, this personality, where has this personality been? And we need to get more content of this person. Do you find that accounts that are giving those micro shots of life, family, work, are the ones that are winning more than the ones that are holding back? Because... I mean, if I'm being honest, I look at how much I don't document and Mm -hmm. 90% of it is me knowing I'm not going to shoot a video. I'm not going to shoot a picture. And then I'm almost fighting with myself in, I don't want to make it seem like I'm getting to do this or I'm getting to do that and you aren't. I don't want to be a braggart or a look at me. And maybe I'm getting that confused or misconstrued in my own head and people want to see that, but I'm always very leery of putting something out there where it seems like I'm getting to do something and you're not. So I, I think it's a great point and it's something that I struggled with a lot with my own weight loss journey and my own trying to struggle with eating better and trying to work out more. When I would see pictures of my friends or people that I follow posting workout videos, it made me upset and go, what the fuck are you doing? Who do you think you are? Like you're trying to brag that you were, you know, on the Peloton this morning. Well, what I've found is once I've removed myself from thinking about what other people are thinking and just posting it to post, I'm finding that me posting has actually been encouragement to other people. I mean, literally I, I tell the story all the time is Peloton never sold me a bike. I bought a Peloton because I saw other friends getting in shape, getting healthy, posting about their Peloton. So you never know who's watching the content that you're posting. I'll post on LinkedIn about toast or something that we're doing in the restaurant space and nope, somebody won't comment on it. But when I go to a trade show and I'm at the National Restaurant Association, they'll pull me aside and say, hey, that one video that you did, and I've never met this person before but they're following me. They're watching the content and maybe it's a content about toast or maybe it's a content about me being sober. You know, you never know who's watching the content and until you start sharing of your whole self, because Greg, you have an incredible audience. And I know every time that you post personal things, Stover, the barbecue hunk, myself, the, you know, Doug, we all want more of it because we want more of Greg. You've given so much for 16 years to this barbecue community, this live fire community. But selfishly, I want more of Greg. And I think the internet does. And that's that's the intrigue of who's willing to share and what are you willing to share. I mean, I have a friend of mine, Kyle and Sarah, that's on TikTok, crushes it on TikTok. He does restaurants and real estate, but he posts TikTok content of his dog. That helped him get multi-million dollar real estate listings because of a dog, because a landlord saw the same dog that he has, and that made a connection. Sean Walchev joining us here on the show, talking about uh, smartphone storytelling and why you should be doing it if you're not, why you should be getting over yourself like me and doing it even more. Here's a comment coming in from Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue. I got <laughs> toast is, because of man. Sean. How about that? So that's just screenshot, affirmation. Screenshot that. That's an screenshot affirmation that of a company that you bought into 
it seems like years ago I've been hearing it Sean talk like about toast. Ago. But I mean, you yeah. again, as much as you proselytize about smartphone storytelling, this is a great. I, I guess you used the term case study earlier when we were talking about. I'm gonna unbox. I shoot videos of this. We have incorporated it in our business, and it's paid off for you and partnerships and otherwise getting no top men and women at that business. Yeah. I mean, I think so many people think about, well, who, who's going to care? Who's going to give a shit if I do this video or what if nobody likes it? Or what if, you know, I don't get any followers because of it. For me, it's the act of the craft of storytelling with your smartphone, of learning how to document, of learning how to take better photos, to take better videos, to do a better job of posting. You know, that's the thing I love about being a podcaster. And so much of what I've learned from you, Greg, is you don't give yourself enough credit for how many different platforms you've evolved. Your show has evolved for 16 years of all the different RSS, like the RSS feed and where does it have to go and where do the show notes go and where does it get needs to get uploaded to YouTube? Is it a YouTube short? I mean, because of podcasting makes you a publisher, you're literally an internet publisher, you have to learn how to be where the attention is. But because of that, you don't discriminate. I mean, you and I had a conversation about LinkedIn earlier this week, that you couldn't believe that there was an audience on LinkedIn, and you had been, you know, not discriminating the platform, but just not giving it the, the power that you thought it had. Right. And now we're posting to it and we're seeing the results. Yes. So uh, as you said, every platform is important. We're talking with Sean Walchef. Yes owner of Cali BBQ restaurant out there in Spring Valley and of course the creator of Cali BBQ Media and the website calibbqmedia.com the podcast is restaurant influencers so if you're looking to get some great information from the top folks in the industry what they're doing to win make sure you're subscribing to that available on all the podcast platforms and keep up with Sean. Uh, where can people find you socially, Sean, if they want to follow you? Uh, easily, you can go to at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. And that is on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all the fun platforms. I'm weirdly available. Uh, please join us on Clubhouse. Clubhouse is an incredible platform, easy way for you to come up on stage, tell us your story, get involved. We've got a great community. Greg joins us when we are so lucky. Um, he'll join us on Wednesdays and Fridays, and uh, we'd love for you guys to to show up there. Sean, really appreciate the insight tonight, and I certainly appreciate personally your support and friendship over these many years. Continued success, and let's do it again sooner than later. Well, Greg, look look how far we've come from Fort Worth. No doubt. No doubt about it. No doubt. Thank you, my friend. You got it. That's Sean Walchef right there. CaliBBQ.media, the website, and... Take part in the twice-weekly clubhouses, Wednesdays and Fridays, 10 o'clock Pacific Time, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, if you can make them. Uh, Or just find Sean's clubhouse and follow it so you're alerted to all the times he goes live. It'll come right to your phone, and away you go. Get out those phones and start digital storytelling. Get over yourself. I'll work to get over myself. How about that? Derek Riches is in the green room. We'll get to him here in just one second. I'll talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today, they have two different lines, a choice line or a prime line. How do you choose between either? If you don't need all of the high-tech gadgetry, the bells, the whistles, choice line is the one you want. It is better than just the entry-level cooker. 
It's a solid cooker. I've had a pair on my back deck for more than eight or nine years at this point, and they work flawlessly, produce great barbecue, and are easy to use. As long as they're full of pellets, you're off and running. Now, maybe you want Wi-Fi. Maybe you want an app that you can download so you can set custom cook cycles or you want to adjust the temperature up or down from the comfort of your Shah's Lounge. Primeline, that's the one for you. Come in peak and ledge sizes. Now, if you want something a little bit more portable because we're in the middle of football season or basketball season is starting and you like to tailgate, the Trek is the one that you want to take a look at. Fits in the back of most trucks and vans and SUVs. Only sold through dealers, so find a dealer near you by visiting the website GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. Then visit the dealer, get educated, find the one that's best for you, and away you go. Success guaranteed because you've done the work. You've gotten educated by the dealer, and now you can go home and enjoy the smoky goodness. GreenMountainGrills.com, longtime supporter of this show. And we'll be back with Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Thanks again to Sean Walshaw for joining me last segment. CaliBBQ.media, the website. This portion brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck. Fireboard is fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's Fireboard 2, the Fireboard 2 Drive, and the Fireboard 2 Pro, and the Fireboard Spark. Hey, it's the fourth Tuesday of the month, and that means it's time to go to the hotline and welcome in one of the most respected barbecue journalists in the business. He is also a Barbecue Central Show's guest Hall of Famer. Check him out where he's writing, DerekRiches.com. We welcome back Derek Riches. Hey, Derek. Hey, Greg. How you doing? I am fabulous, and we have plenty to get to here as I don't want to say news is literally breaking today, but literally news is breaking today as it relates to one of the biggest manufacturers and popular brands in the live fire industry, perhaps the most synonymous with live fire industry, at least here in the States, probably the globe, which is Weber, which was approached for buyout from their biggest shareholder, BDT Capital Partners, not to get too far into the weeds, but they were being offered $6.25 a share, which at that point was a 24% premium on the remaining shares. So a few different questions for business here. Can Weber decline the buyout? Legally, yes, they can. I mean, <clears throat> it is a non-binding arrangement, so I, there's probably leverage room in there for them to kind of go, no, we don't want to do this, but <clears throat> BDT already owns half the company. Yeah. So as far as the people who are going to make that decision, which is the board of directors, and they were hired by BDT to be the board of directors, they're not going to say no. Because that's why they're there. 
all I've been hearing about recently is, especially when it comes to Weber, they have a tremendous amount of debt. Uh, so much so, it appears that, again, not to get in the weeds, that the cap doesn't cover the debt, which typically isn't the case. But this is not a great scenario where your market cap isn't going to be able to, to cover where your debt is. So is this just a, let's call it a comedy of mismanagement over the last year or two? Or what do we attribute this particular decline in financial wisdom to get to where we are today? <laughs> I, this, this is very clearly a case of short-term greed. The idea that they could take the, you know, the pandemic numbers, which were phenomenal and say, hey, this is just the future and try and ride with that to, you know, to to get out there and, and get the stock strong enough to kind of cover the debt position. Um, but nobody was seeing through it. I mean, the stock has steadily declined since the IPO happened. And I mean, it's a pretty straight down graph. Um, well, I mean, if you look so, at any company that went public during the pandemic, especially in this sector, they yeah. all seem to have taken similar trajectories. They all seem to be going mm -hmm. right down to the bottom where they might have started, you know, in the mid teens as an IPO. Some started higher than that, but they're all, you know, five yeah. bucks or less, three bucks or less. Which, which is why we're already seeing news coming out saying that this um, this Weber move by BDT, the BDT basically taking Weber back off the public market because that's what they're doing. Yep. Really, this is not BDT moving in to take over the company. This is BDT who bought the company from the Stephen family 12 years ago and was its owner buying it back from the public market space. Um, there's already stories going out about this. This could just be the beginning of, you know, the reverse IPO going on. And there's already word, I mean, Traeger stock jumped on the rumor that the same thing was going to happen to Traeger, that it was going to go off the public market, that it would stop being a publicly traded company. So, um, yeah, I think we see a, could see a lot of that because most of these companies don't have anything stand on. How easy is that to go public and then to go not public? <sighs> I, I'm, I'm assuming it's just a shitload of lawyers, you know, there's just, there's lawyers out there. Just, they're going to be payday through the end of the year. They're just, they're going to be really happy with this, but it's not that difficult. I mean, you know, it, it, it's the paperwork the, the going public is the hard part going in and saying, we're just going to buy out all the stock. That's not so difficult. Yeah. But, you know, you also have to think that when BDT sold all that stock in the IPO, they sold it at, what was it, fourteen fifty a share? And now they're offering six twenty five a share? Yeah. It's not like this is a money loser for them. They're buying back the company. They're buying back the, what, 20% or so of the company that's publicly traded for a tremendous premium from what they were paid to sell the company. Yeah. So, you know... It does work for them in that way, but it it really what I see this as is as a publicly traded company, Weber has to report everything. They have to say what their debt is. They have to say what their revenues are. They have to say what their problems are. And, and you know, while you sit there and say their market cap doesn't cover their debt, the reality of it is, is if you look at their projected revenues over the next 10 years, that doesn't touch the interest on that debt. 
So it's, it's in a death spiral at the moment and getting it out of the public eye is the first step to kind of saving it. That's really, that's, that's, that's what I see here is, is we need to get this out of the news. We need to stop people from sitting there going, oh, Weber, yeah, that was a big company, but boy, look what happened to them. We need to stop that discussion from happening and taking it off the public market is the first step. So getting it off the public market, getting it out of complete transparency and into a more, we'll show you what we want to show you ability yeah. is the, the best way to go? <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, Weber was always an extremely secretive company. You know, they, you didn't know what Weber was up to until they said they were up to it. I mean, other than leaked products, which has become an issue only in the last couple of years. But, you know, for the most part, they were very secretive. They never said anything about how big the business was or how much money they made. And then being public, they've got to put all that information out there and it's killing them. And that's where they're headed, I think, is. So you know. in the meantime, there's been a few releases from Weber. They released a like a trademark drawing of this new double burner system, if you will, which there's a, I mean, for, you know, uh, not to get into the weeds, a, a bigger burner and then running right alongside of it, a smaller burner which according to the write-up said it will allow you to do more consistent low and slow temperatures. But then for somebody that likes to grill or using the grill as a grill, the bigger burner will allow you to get much higher searing temperatures than you're usually used to on a Weber grill. So for the one that I have, which I think is going on, let's say, so it's a Genesis version so there was the original Genesis that everybody loved, and then they did like a revamp number one of the Genesis, which sucked, and then they mm -hmm. revamped that one. So I have the second revamp, which was a little better, but even with all the burners cranked up, I'm at 500 degrees max, yeah. which is fine. Right. I'm using the grill grates, so you know the aluminum gets really hot. I still get the sear and stuff, but it just doesn't seem to have the horsepower that I was used to in the version one Genesis that I used to own mm -hmm. that everybody loved. So is this something yeah. that you think could help bring back some of the, the horsepower of the olden days of the Genesis? Well, I mean, that is a big problem that they've had, you know, and is and, there and a the federal is, guideline that's keeping horsepower down no. on grills or they're just cheap? Uh, it's, the reason that the that the that the the BTUs were caught, the that the maximum heat was caught was to preserve the body and components of the grill from excessive temperature. It, it, it that's really what it is. It's like if we're gonna use some thinner materials here, uh, we can't mm. let this thing hit 700 degrees without damaging the grill. So let's let's scale this back, let's mm. cut the heat down so we can um, you know, make manufacture them for cheap and not burn them manufacture up. Manufacture them for cheap. <laughs> but, you know, I don't even remember this. Like many years ago, Consumer Reports came out and said, don't buy Broil King because they are, they get so hot, they will melt themselves. And there was only, you know, th they claimed that they had never seen that happen once. It was never reported incident happen. And Consumer Reports got it to happen by pouring two cups of cooking oil in the bottom of the grill and then cranking it to high for about two hours <laughs> and then melted the aluminum shell out of it. Arson. 
Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I have my issues with consumer reports, <clears throat> but, um, but you know, yeah, that is an issue. You, mm. when you, whenever you see a grill that, that just doesn't seem to have a whole lot of BTUs, it's because they don't want to damage like the stainless steel hood that they tout as being shiny and stainless steel or because they have dumbed down the cooking grates or they've dumbed down this. And that's what, what they did. They wanted to make a lighter weight grill that had thinner material. So they dumbed it down. What this new burner design is, we're going to wait and see because they've issued the patent for it. They've obviously been developing it for a while. It really adds a lot of complexity. I mean, because basically what you have is one valve that when you turn it on to very low, one burner is going to run and it can run, what, what is it, like 13, uh, like 1,350 BTUs at the bottom end. And then as you turn it up, it's going to switch over to the second burner, which can go up to 17,000 BTUs, which is substantially higher than what they're running at now. But this makes a much, much more ex expensive mm. burner assembly. I mean, the whole manifold becomes a much, much more expensive thing. And they keep cranking up the price of their grills and they're not selling and their margins suck. And now you want to turn around and what, add 10% increase mm -hmm. in your production cost for your grill on this sort of technology. So they want to own the tech. It might be, you know, I've seen some similar designs thrown around in, 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 in water heater and boilers. So I'm wondering if this is more a matter of we want to own the patent before anyone else gets it uh -huh. in case we decide to use it. They put out the, the patent itself is really generic in the fact that they just used the modified drawings for the Genesis manifold. I would I would think it more likely that if they're going to use this kind of design, that it would go into Summit, their higher end mm -hmm. gas grow mm -hmm. line, which you know, I mean, that thing's, those girls are now topping out at $3,000 and to be able to come back and say, Hey, you know what? You could turn every burner on as low as you want and have low and slow 225 degree cooking temperature or crank this thing up and hit 800 degrees. And we can build a grill that'll do that. Mm. So that makes a little bit more sense to me, but this is more of a wait and see. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I think you're just getting uh, the intellectual property before someone else does. Derek Rich is joining us here on the show, DerekRiches.com, his website, of course. Another topic that I wanted to hit on tonight, Derek, is something that was really all the rage and a couple different options, Impossible, Beyond Meat, or the market name leaders. And I thought it was... And I always think it's a year ago or two years ago, but it's probably actually a little bit longer than that because I believe I was still in the old house talking about this with America's butcher, Pat LaFrieda, and uh, getting his thought on if he thought meatless meatless meat uh, was going meatless to be... Meat, yes. Meatless meat, yes. Uh, Plant-based meat, meat was going to be a thing um, in restaurants and at homes. And it was just going to be like widely accepted and we... I think went back and forth a little bit on that. And then I, maybe during the pandemic, it kind of skirted off a little bit. But yesterday, Beyond Meat launched their Beyond Steak product, which isn't how you would traditionally find a steak. It's not a cut like a ribeye or yeah. a New York strip. They are seared tips, I believe is what the term was being used. So you might be able to use them in some kind of a stew or fried beef like fondue or you could put a like chop them up for taco meat or whatever nevertheless 
it's not gone away. I don't mm-hmm. know, aside from their stock price also taking a dump, <laughs> um, and they're one of their people in charge biting somebody in the nose last uh, in the last few weeks at a football game or something along these lines. Uh, so not cannibalism's really fine. Much. Yeah, cannibalism's fine. What do you think about Beyond Meat and their steak attempt? Um, well, you're right about that. It is. It. It. it when I first. When I first saw the headline, I thought, oh, well, so are they actually trying to do an actual steak? And, you know, you're going to go down there and you're going to get your your meatless uh, T-bone. But no, it's 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 strips. It's just thin strips. And one of the first places it's being used is the Beyond Beef or Beyond Beef Taco Bell Carne Asada Taco. Which has been rolled out, I guess, in a couple of test markets. Yeah, I think Dayton, Ohio, so if, was one actually. Yeah, so if you think about, you know, kind of the strips of beef you get in really cheap tacos, as labeled as like a carne asada something, you know, if the taco costs less than two bucks or a buck or a dollar or whatever, yeah. that's the kind of cut we're talking about. Um, yeah, it's not going to, you know, th- this is going to be a thing because there's a demand for it and because fast food and the big chains want to have the option because they hate it when a group of coworkers decide they want to go out to lunch, but one of them's a vegan, so they're mm. not going to go to Taco Bell or they're not going to go to McDonald's because they don't feel like the option's there. So having that option means they can accommodate the one person in the party because that's usually how this breaks down. It's it's yeah. it's the one person in the party that makes you go to a restaurant, right? You still so, think it's a, a a valid option though? It's still something. This will be around forever <laughs> for as much as we. It seems to be cyclical in popularity. This is just going to be something that hangs around. Yeah, I don't, this is not this is not an idea that's going to go away. Yeah, it's I'm, and it will probably it'll become more pervasive in. Uh, particularly in kind of the fast food or fast casual markets because it has really one big advantage over meat, and that is a stable price. Yeah, $7.99, I believe, was the the price for 12 ounces here, so that's pretty good. Right, but I mean, if beef prices shoot through the roof, all these restaurants are looking at how do we get people to eat more chicken? We got to get more chicken, more chicken, more. Yeah, every time they're always they're pushing their chicken stuff, you know the beef prices are way up. Right, it's the first way to tell. Um, so th- they can get a stable price because I mean this is factory made. It's base materials, you plant based stuff. Uh, it doesn't. It's not so subject to the market factors. And those sort of outlets love price stability more than anything else. And you know, I mean, you and I both know that meat prices have not been what we would call stable for quite some time. No doubt. Not stable. And probably and very won't high. be. That's right. Yeah. Derek Rich is joining us here on the show as he does every month on the fourth Tuesday. DerekRiches.com, his website. Uh, appreciate the time, as always, a look inside the Weber stuff. Anxious to see how that plays out here over the next handful of weeks and as the year closes out. And we'll see what's happening in a month in November. Derek, always appreciate the time. All right. See you the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, I think it is. All right. Figure out what to do with those leftovers for crying out loud. Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com joining us here on the show. If you're not subscribed to his newsletter or checking out his website, certainly a place you want to go to regularly because he is breaking it down. 
getting the inside scoops and giving you the stories that you need to hear in the live fire industry. That's why we have him on. That's why he's a guest Hall of Famer for crying out loud. All right, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers before we wrap the first hour. The one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor barbecue and cooking supplies, getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been pitmaster approved by Sterling, Big Papa Ball himself from the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers. Big Papa Smokers has everything you need to be a better outdoor cook. 13 perfectly balanced flavors, transforming ordinary meals into extraordinary meals. Whether you're cooking to impress judges or grilling for your family, Big Papa Smokers award-winning rubs and seasonings just don't disappoint. Also, owning Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everybody, Granny's Barbecue Sauce is the one you want to try. Great as a sauce right out of the bottle. Or if you're looking for a new base sauce, you can try Granny's as a base sauce and then trick it out as you see fit. Aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they're also offering the very best charcoal, pellet, and wood cookers available on the market today. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac 2 Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you don't know what grill you need, call and ask questions. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop the website BigPopSmokers.com. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. And we thank Derek Richards for joining us the last segment. This portion being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories. Doesn't matter if you're just a beginner or if you are a professional. If it's a cooker you want to add to the arsenal, visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. No Glanville slated to come on this show end of next month, I believe, so... Just locking down those details with boss number two, Amber. So looking forward to having Noah on the show here in just a handful of weeks. All right, so we thank once again Sean Walchef for leading off the interview segment 14 past the hour where we talked about smartphone storytelling, why you should be doing it, getting over yourself, what content seems to be hitting and engaging the most. And then, of course, we just were speaking with Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com talking about the Weber buyout from BDT Capital, which is their largest shareholder at the moment. What that does positively for Weber, getting them potentially out of the public space and back into the private sector, which according to Derek is the thing they should want to do the quickest. We toss around that new burner patent. We'll see if that actually goes anywhere. Derek seems to think it's an IP grab at the moment, and then you might see it in the grill down the road, but he doesn't foresee that in the near future. All right, we are pointing to the second hour where you will see visits from the embedded correspondence. Plus, I have some top of the second hour takes that I'm going to get to as well. One that has nothing to do with live fire whatsoever, but you might want to hear it. Especially if you got an athlete in the house. Stick around. 
We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show.